Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. In a really amazing selection of other podcasts indicative of the recruitment market and the business market, for whatever reason you're listening now, we just want to say thank you for choosing us. We couldn't do this without our sponsor and our partners. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show, but thank you to Pager, our sponsors, and our partners, Inclusion Crowd and Needy. And without further ado, let's jump in to get to know this week's guest. The next guest on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is no stranger to those on LinkedIn who are truly seeking to elevate their skills, whether you are an experienced recruiter a leader looking to enhance the performance of their team or possibly even a new recruiter new to our amazing industry. This is Bobby Banerjee and he is the founder of Elevate Learning. And during this really effervescent, really joyful um, interview today, we cover his journey into recruitment and then out of recruitment as a recruitment consultant into the world of learning and development in recruitment what he thinks makes a top performer that's a really interesting part of the conversation make sure you hang in for there we obviously talk around leadership and the possibilities of, of how leaders can elevate their own training and development and what possible um, mindset and future culture tools you can look at if you're looking for a new job. It's a really interesting podcast. Bobby's absolutely joyful to listen to. It's quite high speed, so hang on tight, get your notebook ready. If you're on a walk, I'm sure you'll pick up the pace. Thank you for joining us. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode. We are so proud at the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to be sponsored by Pager. Pager helps recruiters to build personal brands, to identify new business opportunities, to attract those hard-to-find candidates, and to basically have better conversations. Now, you will have a large network that you want to build credibility with on LinkedIn, and sometimes posting content every day feels impossible. Now, that changes once you have Pager. Pager provides you with the ideas, the content, and the scheduling capability for, to produce daily content to build out your own personal brand in minutes. And for business development too. Pager identifies companies that are advertising jobs, have key hiring indicators such as funding rounds, mergers, acquisitions, or senior appointments, and then alerts you to this daily Pager also enables you to write candidate-centric job adverts without bias in seconds. So once you advertise your job, Pager will then automatically create a branded post and publish it to LinkedIn without you even having to lift a finger. So when you want to actively source candidates, you can create complex Boolean strings in seconds. All you need to do is to provide the job title and location. Now, Pager is making thousands and thousands of recruiters smarter and faster. For more information, click on the link pager.co to book your demo. And remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when inquiring. Now, back to the episode. This is Leisha Holmes, and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. And I am so excited to finally have on our podcast this week somebody that has been part of my community, I think, coming up to about four years. And if you follow me, you must see me liking this person's post. But he's 
somebody that I've got the utmost respect for, not least because of the job that he actually does day to day, but also because he just seems to be a really optimistic and very valuable member of our community as well. So without further ado, I would like to welcome to everybody today, Bobby Banerjee, and he is the owner of Elevate Training. Welcome to you today. How are you, Bobby? Hello. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm psyched. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm having my tonsils out next week. So this is my last bit of freedom. So, uh, oh my so yeah, God. no, looking forward, yeah, looking forward to, uh, to, to, to talking through the world of recruitment with you. So you will be listening to this without your tonsils. That's just a crazy kind of milestone. I will be listening to this with a tub of Hagen Dars or yes. other other ice creams are available. Available. Um, but if you don't mind me saying, that's quite a um, you know mature age to have your tonsils out. Yeah, tell me about it. I'm not looking forward to it. I've got to do it at a hospital rather than rather than anything else. It's just going right. to be. Uh, yeah, it's I, will, be... I had them out what I thought was quite I had them out at 15 and I'm much older than that now and I can still remember I'll give you some tips off camera because I'm sure nobody wants to think about a tonsillectomy right now now there will be people I can't believe it that won't know who you are they're living on a different planet so please can you introduce yourself a bit about your background and why you're here today yeah cool so um yeah I'm Bobby the owner and director of Elevate Learning and I would basically I try and stop recruiters from having, you know, from learning from learning their own mistakes by learning from the mistakes I made as a recruiter, because my starting point, my starting point in, in recruitment was, oh God, um, yeah, 2013, I came in three weeks later, my manager left um, and essentially had the worst first year in recruitment. And so I've kind of vowed to make sure <laughs> that no one has the same first year that I do, or certainly the people that I work Why was with. it the worst first year? I, I didn't do a deal for eight months. Uh, I had way more hair than this. I tore most of it out. Um, yeah, it was it's, so kind of had uh, managers having to come in because I was working in Birmingham. I was I was uh, I had managers coming down from Manchester or up from London, and we hardly saw them. And to be honest, I was working on a difficult market as well. I was doing big data and and, oh. uh, and analytics in 2013 when no one was doing it. No so, one was um, doing it then. Yeah, like, so, so it was a so was, so yeah, it was a hard old slog, and only getting a couple of deals in your first year was was really. Uh, they was must a have believed but... in you. Your leadership team, albeit it sounds like there was yeah, quite yeah. a lot of traction, and maybe that's why. Did you slip through the net? I don't know. But they, but joking aside, they must have seen something in the Bobby then. To yeah, and I think you. that's why I have the approach that I do now because I think some people click in recruitment earlier rather than later, or or, or vice versa. Yeah. And so, and so, I think my click happened certainly beginning of that second year, where where, where, where you just have that light bulb moment. It goes, ah, actually, I'm overcomplicating these things. Let's have a consistent process and build out. And so, essentially, um, you know, from from the training that I provide and, and coaching that we do, is essentially learning from that mistake and going, how can I help you as a recruiter? get to understand that actually it's a process it's a you know it's something that you've got to have consistently which is then which then breeds into I, I can imagine you talk about lots of these and I know you do because I've, I've seen your posts things around you know diversity and actually looking at looking at inclusive recruitment models because actually you're just asking the same questions over and over again rather yeah. than thinking I need to rely on gut feel yeah. or yeah. suddenly I feel yeah. like I need to ask you know questions like they're my mate which could actually be counterintuitive, even though you're having a great conversation and, dare I say, ramping up those phone types. Yeah, oh, without a shadow, without just ringing the same number over and over again. I do just want to pick on something, really, because you mm. said a, a word, and I don't think it was a throwaway word. And actually, as we record this back into January, I actually shared a post about it, about this fact. Recruitment isn't rocket science. 
recruitment is a process and I think why so many recruiters struggle and if you're listening to this now and you're in your first second third or whatever and you've had a difficult 2023 you know it's been a more challenging market are you actually having a challenging time because your market's difficult or is it because you're not actually following your process and I think simplifying it just have that in your head thinking simplifying that does not mean cutting corners that does not mean following a process it just means you're taking things step by step and if you do that then this will happen if you do that then this will happen and I just think the way you said that then was so beautiful because actually that's exactly how what a learning person should be you know if you're going to educate people it should be from this is what I did this is what I didn't do oh totally joining in the middle well yeah and that's a really important facet for us so um i'll be lucky enough to to hire someone who's also you know a a cracking trainer in shame and we get on the phones ourselves because again whenever it comes to being able to deliver any any particular training idea or methodology sit is standing there and we all we've all been through it sit standing there sitting there learning theory is boring but being able to then apply the theory in a, in a way that really makes sense. And for me, it's about actually getting on the phone, allowing them to listen to me, being vulnerable myself, because unfortunately, there is always a stigma attached with training that it's actually people who fail to do it themselves. And so for me, it's more a case of trying to give that. I know it's, it's always that stigma attached with all of these things. And so for me, it's actually going about going, luckily, I had a nice career when I was a recruiter. I was... Mm. A wanted a wanted two deal a month biller on perm average fees were eleven ish grand. So I was I was all right. I mean, yeah. lovely twenty grand that's, months. That's, I was going to say there's a quarter of a million quid. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly right. And so and so for me, you know, I, I guess working in the S three world, you're somewhere in the middle, and that's okay because yeah. really it's about working out what you need to do to be consistent. Mm. And at the end of the day, you know, to, people tend to worry about. And this is a bit of a bugbear of mine that whenever you come into any business, you, you're told to speak to like the top biller on the first day. Mm-hmm. That top biller has completely forgotten what they did in their first year. Yeah, of course. In the nicest possible sense of the word. And so now their life is a lot easier because they've got seven or eight accounts and they're nurturing those and developing those accounts. Whereas these these people that come into recruitment don't really know the hard yards that it really takes to get yeah. from here to to there to then be able to get to those levels. But it's a really a, it's actually a really good point because if someone came and watched me, I've been doing recruitment twenty five years, I've been doing retrospect twenty odd years, and I if I get a candidate, I know I can place them like don't even have to think about it, and I can do it with a ratio of one in one point two or something ridiculous. So basically, they'll go for one one client because I'm so ninja about it. But it's taken yeah. twenty odd years to get to that point. I, you know, I, everything's inbound. So if you watch me, I'm not going to do any cold calling because I don't need to do cold calling. But if you'd have seen me in the first six years of my job, mm, I was there wow. it, following KPIs, following structure. And the KPIs were, you know, to get 10 interviews in a week, to get 10 jobs on a week. It was, you know, usually around the same numbers to get five, I don't know, three standouts per candidate to get however yeah, yeah. many five interviews, whatever. I can't remember. They, they probably weren't far off that, actually, in order to get, the 15 grand a month right and right. I did that really and it's I think this is what I'm trying to say that if you I mean we'll come I want to come back to high performance mm. in a minute actually because I think that's yeah, yeah. generally people that listen to podcasts want to elevate themselves and, that, and mm. yeah, I, like, I like the pun um, I know little dig there um but I think you're right and actually most people go yeah go and sit with the top villa but you're right it that, that has actually never been said before about top villas but a they've reached that point where they probably can't understand the mechanics of what got them there 
or the person that sat there is probably so overwhelmed or doesn't really understand that it's nuances and the different flair that you have when you get to that point where you are the top filler, but breaking down each part of the process. And I, I love the fact totally. that you are still hands on. And I do just want to make the point, and then we'll move on, I promise, that I don't think for one minute anybody looks at, you know, Pep Guardiola at Man City and go, oh, he was a failed footballer. <laughs> so no, I am absolutely. not. I am not having it. That but you've 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 hit yes, but funny enough you've hit on something yeah you wouldn't look at Pep Guardiola but then that's why someone like Diego Maradona really struggled with with management because yeah. he was such a genius and he did his things his way that no one else could replicate it and he wasn't able to codify what he did because what he's done what Pele's done what all these incredible mm-hmm. players have done can't can't be coded down there's there's a no. there's a genius factor there. Yeah. And the only person that's close that to a, to a real, real top performer that is also a good manager and trainer is is probably Zandadin Zidane and Pep Guardiola. Mm, yeah. So it, it's yeah. it's actually looking at behaviours of the right people to put in the right yeah. places. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I think that's where I noticed recru- recruitment companies can fail when it comes to their internal recruitment. Mm. What do or you mean? not using... In the, what they're looking for and how they assess what they're looking for are two very different things. Yeah. So you might be told, and, and I'm, I'm using I'm using you as a rhetoric example, funny enough, as as one of the trusted ones I, I like. <laughs> You'll be given a brief to find us people with you know drive, ambition, all that, all those kind of wonderful things. Mm-hmm. And people could show you that in in hypotheticals in, in whatever way they want to. But how can they demonstrate that before they start? Yeah. And and no, normally a conversation down a pub does not cut it. No. And so how how we look at the internal recruitment process is really important. And funny enough, that's something that I'm working on. And, and it's probably a conversation we need to have another time anyway. Yeah, definitely. But, around, but, but the idea is, you know, being able to look at the right behaviours, the right characteristics for different roles. Yeah, and I don't think maybe. we do it enough, no. uh, which is why we have the churn rates we do. We do. And, and, you know, as an industry, I mean, I don't know how they compare to other sort of sales-led industries, but I know that attrition has always been the sort of uh, poison chalice of recruitment. And that's down to yeah. what, you've just, what you've just highlighted there, that there's always been a disparity between the behaviours that we think we want, how do you measure those behaviours, and actually what we need. Um, and I think it's very challenging, and I'm saying this as a rector, I think it is very mm. challenging, apart from anything, from a mindset point of view, we love to be sold to because we love to sell. So it's, I think it's really hard to assess and establish. And I think that your role as a trainer, whether it's, a, you know, and I do want to talk about this, actually, I might come mm. on to this next bit, sort of whether you have somebody permanently in a business as a trainer or whether you, like you, you know, you, you come in and you are a, you know, an outsourced, um, external, objective set of eyes to come into a business like, you know, as an NED would and say, right, well, this is where your challenges are. This is what you're doing well. These are the areas that you as a leadership team have to put into place and then this is what can then cascade down. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, generally speaking, there's just disparity that none, none of the parts are talking together. So what can we just focus on that first then? Because a, yeah, lot, of leaders, a lot of leaders listening know that they need to do better with their learning and development strategy and you know a lot of reasons why people leave companies is because they're not being developed is that usually people leave companies because of leadership or but therefore lack of yeah so mckinsey have yeah sorry to cut over yeah mckinsey mckinsey have come up with a with a with a study around why people leave jobs in in the last 10 years and you'd have thought it's about paying compensation but actually Mm -hmm. it's about purpose of work and progression Yep. weirdly 
And so people now, and I do a lot of research into, I mean, I, 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 this could be a whole other podcast, Leisha, around Gen Z versus Gen, millennials versus Gen X. And actually, I, I do quite a lot of research around those things. What motivates people now is essentially, you know, I'm a, I, I guess I'm classed as a geriatric millennial because I'm early 80s born. Um, and so... And so what, what what we want from the world of world of work is very different to what people in the in the generations before and the generation afterwards want. Yeah. Actually, it's about navigating those things and being able to not say, oh, well, this is the way we've always done it, which I think is a cancerous term in in Absolutely. In um, yeah. or in business in general, actually. Um yeah. but then being able to look at, you know, what behaviors do we want the right people to have? Sure, we want if we want that BD element to it, we can we can work on that, create a an interviewing pathway to be able to assess whether that person could do business development or has the passion for it. Yep. But, but yeah, as far as, as far as looking at a, a an in-house versus, versus a, versus an external partner, I'm going to be contentious to probably do myself out of work here. And I, and I know it's different strokes for different mm. folks. Mm-hmm, I, think it, I think it depends on where you're at as a business and whether you feel okay. like spending 50 grand, 60 grand on a body without actually having got on any, gotten any on any, any res- responses. Because as you probably know from people who say, oh, we need to hire an L&D person. Right, who's this person need to be? It's either someone who's been in the role as yep. an L&D person, yep. which then means they should have been a recruiter for some years. So therefore, mm. that you're not looking at those 20, 25K people, which some people still advertise for, for L&D people. Oh my God. <laughs> um, or 30 at a push. You know, I started 10 years ago on 35 with a 40 mm. to up to 40K bump. Mm. So now, given inflation, yeah. you're probably looking at 45 grand. Yeah. Plus plus pension, plus benefits. You know, ideally, you know, you're looking at 60, 70 grand. So if you can't afford that 60, 70 grand on a person plus the 30 grand of output, then that's where you, you work with someone who can mm. kind of come in. It's a yeah. bit like using a permi versus a contractor, right? Absolutely. And so our job, so funny enough, we've literally just come off a call where we talk, we've spoken about this, is to be the, the the like fractional, everyone talks about fractional this, fractional that, um, to be the fractional L&D partner, to go, well, actually, you could have our time, what do you want us to achieve in that time? Absolutely, that's the way it should be. And that, yeah, and that's it. And so up until the point where they feel comfortable to be able to hire someone or be able to transition someone over from, because I made that transition over, I was a, I was a recruiter at S3, at Computer Futures, um, and then became a trainer, but I was a trainer before I was a recruiter, as we were saying off air. And so for me, it's there is that transition that could be made, but there's a learning process that has to happen because it isn't just this is how you make a phone call. It's actually getting to getting to understand the learning processes behind it all. And I know this sounds you know potentially overcomplicated, but it's actually getting to understand how people learn and yes, then be able course. to deliver training in a way that works for them. I love to learn by doing fine some people learn by seeing or hearing things and you've got your your visual or uh, kinesthetic and auditory listeners and you've got to work on it and you've yes, got to you really try and find out and you know my job has been yes to learn to teach people how to recruit but also how, how to teach people how to learn properly or mm. implement learning learning strategies so with the customer i've just got off the phone with today we've just said like right a couple of days a month we're going to work on processes within your business yeah. And funny enough, that's where that's where you know good a good L and D partner will hopefully help you. It's not just one dimensional. It's not it's just coming in, that, delivering training, and fucking off. Buggering off, which some people yeah, which, think that's maybe what the perception is by some. If I think about, and I'm not throwing any clients under the bus here, but there mm, are some. Yeah, there's totally. definitely a, there's definitely a contingent of people who have been top billers, they've set up their own company, they've grown it. That's all great. 
And then when I I'll ask them in my capacity as a director at my day job, you know, what training and development do you provide? Well, we do it all here. And it's like, well, that's great for some of it because they're going to be learning from you as a, as a high biller. But A, you're not a trained trainer. So how are you actually developing that coaching capability? And uh, they're just going to hear the same thing over and over again. It's like an echo chamber, isn't it, really? I mean, that's... It becomes, it becomes group think, it becomes an echo chamber. And more importantly, mm. what do they really learn? And, 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 it's, and it's actually trying to get people to think, because unfortunately, you know, last half of the year, or certainly last quarter of the year, not easy for recruitment businesses. Lots of conversations yeah. around, oh, we've not performed as well as we want to. So, yep. funny enough, you choose one of two options at that point. Either you double down on business development training and, and that kind of thing, or you you cut your losses and go, oh, yep. our costs are, you know, our costs need to need to be need to be shelved, so yep. we won't work with it. And so, funny enough, the people, and, and again, this isn't a, a, a tactic in any way, shape, or form, but funny enough, the people that double down on their on their business development when times are hard are the ones that perform better than the people that go, actually, we don't want any training or coaching in that thing because, funny enough, we'll, we'll be able to do it ourselves. That it probably speaks, again, to the low barrier to entry that we have in our... Well, it's, it's the low barrier to entry that we have it in is. our industry that we, think, that we think that we don't need to be specialist in anything to become a specialist. Yeah, which is no, frustrating. We, we can just we can just wing it, and no, I don't think so. Uh, I yeah, well, but we've all fudged, you know, we've, we've all winged, winged one. Winged uh, it. We're all winging it. Yeah, we're all yeah, winging we're all it winging, there. But it's 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 applying it's applying bits and pieces that you can know that either are quick wins by being able to work with the right people. Yeah. Speaking of the right people, you will in your Ooh. capacity both as a recruiter and as a trainer, you must see the traits of what makes what we would call a high performer. So whether that's down Sorry. to you know revenue or behaviours, what how do you spot and how do our leaders listening and also those who might be this person, how do you spot a future? top biller why oh that's a fantastic question where do i where do i go with this so funnily enough um i'm working on a recruitment toolkit to be able to, that has mapped this all out so okay. hopefully i'll be able to give the secret source of this so it's looking at the composite behaviors that we think are right for a recruitment business and i, and I think first and foremost it's defining that right competency because to you and i communication skills Mm. For some for some businesses will be um, just being able to write half decent emails and being able to speak properly, speak proper lag. Um, <laughs> however, for some for other businesses, like I worked with an exec search firm down in London who were very much working in the city, mm -hmm. um, their ability was more around how to be you know, communication skills was being able to deliver whilst being almost in, uh, invisible, and how right. do, how do they go? And how do they go about that? As in, as in, because they're working as as execs, so, so, so covert, right? So covert, okay. or being able to negotiate in a particular way with with, with like with defense clients is their yeah. version of communication skills. So defining okay. what you what you want from that competency is important. Resilience seems <laughs> to crop up. What mm. what is resilience? Mm. Is it just being able to come back tomorrow after having a shit day today? Yeah. Or is it learning from those mistakes and being able to apply those things? Mm. So, so ideally, what I've seen make make great recruiters recruit. A lot of the top, a lot of the top billers that I've seen didn't get it straight away. Mm. Weirdly, I don't know why. I don't know why that is. So it took it, time it, for them to it, for it to click. You mean? Yeah, it took time to click. Right. Interesting. A lot of them have a purpose that resonates beyond just making money. 
Yeah, I hear that. I hear start. that from other people have asked this question too. Yeah, they've got like a, so a greater a greater passion or a greater vision. Yeah, the, well, again, you know, the, the the millennial workforce is all around greater purpose. If mm. you can tie in any goal, any task, mm. any activity to a greater a thing that is greater than than just doing deals, making money, because yes, we care about that, but that's not the be all and end all. No, I got into recruitment because I I'd spent a long time at university racked up a whole load of debt and my real purpose was to be able to get out of my own student overdraft that's good that good, was, good that, reason yeah exactly that was my purpose if your purpose is a mulberry handbag absolutely fine definitely not able... my mine being able to bring food to the table as a solo parent yeah but everyone has a reason that is beyond their desk yeah. and so how you can get that to how you can get that i mean one of the one of the one of the best recruiters I've seen, he's actually part of a group of amazingly talented, successful people. And he was the least successful one at the time. Others wow. were footballers, um, you know, owned, owned really successful businesses. He'd only just started out in recruitment. And then weirdly, in seven years, his purpose has now achieved what he wanted to achieve. Mm. So it's, it's that big driver. Another thing that I look at, certainly that I always try and spot, is being able to learn from, from mistakes. Oh, without a shadow we, of a doubt. We, as a species, learn most when we have messed up. When we've screwed up, it's totally true. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've well, you you're 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 a parent. You had you had kids at a certain age that you probably had to say, yeah. "Don't touch the radiator." Yeah, of course. And you can tell them until you're blue until in the you're face. Blue in the not face. Touch the radiator. And they've got a red hand. And they're doing that. And the worst part is they're doing that thing, going yeah, and looking at you each time, just to, like, just if that. Go on, and it's always like, go on then. Um, and it's and it's essentially how do they learn from those things? How because that's how we learn. We learn from mistakes. Yeah, it's true. God, and that means I had to make a whole load of mistakes to be able to learn from. Um, but it's but it's true. And I, and I actually want to pick up on a point you said there about resilience. I I like the word fortitude because I think that you can say you're resilient, but what it, resilience only takes you so far without the learning. And for me, that's what mm. the difference is with fortitude that you've you've shown that you are so strong and you and you self aware enough to say well and we're talking about it in a work contest that that call didn't go so well I didn't get that placement because this happened and it's learning how and why and then what could I have done differently I think yeah. asking yourself that question um you know I was a top biller and I placed loads of top billers that is asking that question what could I have done differently what yeah. more could I have done you know what more could I have done in that process and I think the top billers are the curious ones they're the inquisitive ones that aren't afraid to I think there's this kind of misconception that they're the biggie big balls walking around the office and actually they're not they're, they're probably yeah, learning they're, they're you know yeah I think certain people that have that mindset will reach a certain level I've seen it happen time and time again and yeah. it's usually in those in those kind of step recruitment businesses the person mm. that's, that's Mr or Miss or gender indeterminate big balls yeah is yeah, yeah. generally tops out of that five to seven k bracket yeah yeah the people that have a genuine understanding and, and, and a genuine, as you write, I, I don't know whether you've seen Ted Lasso or, or know the quote by no. Walt Whitman, be curious, not judgmental. If we can actually understand or be be get to a point where we understand what the real thing is. Another thing that I that I, I find as a real success kind of kind of expedites success quickly is understanding the problem you solve. Yeah. Because what we generally tend to think is that, you know, we need to sell a CV, look at skills. This person's got C sharp, ASP.net for five years and have worked for Deutsche Bank. And that should make them good. 
But, no, but what we should really be seeing our people as, and you probably agree with this from the Rector side of things, it looks like return on investment. Yeah. If you spend 40 grand on this person or a thousand pounds a day, this is the return on investment you will get. But we don't do it enough. We're no. still selling, we're still selling on the phone, just saying, hi, I've got this candidate. I think they'd be a great fit because they've got these Absolutely. skills. And so, and, and the worst part is you've got 32,000 other agencies. And I, I dread to think how many actual recruiters there are in the UK. I probably I say if there's what 10 per company. You're probably yeah, looking at lot. 300. There's a lot. Oh, there, so there's, oh, there's at least a yeah, there's at least a quarter of a million recruiters in this country. Right. And if they're all saying the same thing and your clients are getting the same conversation each and every time, why the hell would <laughs> I work with any recruiter? Of course. Why the hell would I then work with one that's trying to say I want 25%? Yeah. So you've got to be able to, so the people that understand how they solve that problem, yeah. you know, understanding the time quality cost factors of projects in their market, being able to understand how the how the how the how the kind of job roles fit together and dovetail nicely on projects, being able to understand the candidate client's roadmap, super important. Mm. And if the quicker the quicker we get people to learn that, the quicker that you know they need to make less calls to do well. Absolutely, which which goes back to what we were saying before about the actual observance of a top builder. That's why they're making mm. probably less calls, but the calls matter, and the, co- oh, totally. the content the content of those conversations will be around the value. It will be around solving the client or the candidate's pain point. That's what we're talking about here. It's not transactional. It's a it's yeah. Because I'm guessing you've spoken to Mike Ames before. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, had, him on, we had him on one of our webinars, and he just talked about what is the grit in the eye. Yeah. And, and that's resonated with, with with me to be able to deliver to other people. It's it's about looking at those challenges, those those problems. You know, the word consultant is almost the most redundant word in job titles in recruitment. Well, it's under, it might be it, harsh. It, I don't it, know. It's, un, if, it's undermined by a lot of people that call themselves consultants, but they're not very consultative. And totally. I'd like to think that anyone listening to this is not in that bracket because you are trying to learn you're trying to de- develop your skills yeah, you're, so, so the, you're wanting to step out your comfort zone so if i look at that word well, what does it take to be a consultant it takes a knowledge base it takes inch wide mile deep knowledge of whatever yep. it is you do yeah it's the ability to take what you're asking me to do and communicate it in a way to give you three or four options for you to choose a way forward yeah and yet we don't do enough of it no we're still clinging to trying to sell that one candidate to that one company in the hope that we go for it. And yeah. look, you know, at no point would I ever say that there are, uh, we could talk about business development until the cows come home. And that's probably, again, a, a conversation for another Different time. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it's about it's about being able to work out where, where your skill sets apply and how you can manage things. And Again, mm. another podcast could be all about 180 versus 360, and that's a whole other thing. Oh, that's a whole different ballgame. But, I mean, look, don't be dogmatic. You know, if you are somebody mm. that is so fixated on something, you're almost, and I've seen that happen a lot, where you just, it's almost like you're having a battle, and that's not the right way to go about it. And, you know, I, oh. I love constant, I love concentrating on those behaviours. I really do. So if we're still talking to the potential future high billers and top billers, mm. how do we know whether our employer or future employer for on the job market it has got a good development and uh, training and development culture how do we know that it's good they might be telling us it's good well, beyond working How'd... with us no I'm kidding uh yeah no I think I think it's I think if you're spotting things the question the question we've got to ask is what are you going to do to look to to help me get better at the job yeah okay so so in, in essence if I was going into a or, or certainly if you were if, if you were going to go into it 
um, looking at it, going, "Well, why should I work with you?" <laughs> it's what we tell our it's what it's what we tell our our you know our candidates to to tell their potential future employers. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. why not do the same ourselves and go? Well, actually, yeah. what is it about your your business that actually looks after people? What you know? What what is it about it that that means that I'm going to get better at what I do? Because the problem is, in in lots of people's businesses, if you're not learning and you're not earning, that's when people tend to move. Yeah, and I love so, that expression. Yeah, it's 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 so it's so useful. It's it's probably why I've moved the way I have because I've yeah. I've always looked at it and gone, am I learning anything? No. I'm, well, then I probably need to move up a up a point. And it's yeah. and it's just the, and it's just the way it's just the way forward. So if people have a clear plan of action around mm -hmm. what they're going to do to make sure that you are onboarded properly, oh my god, onboarding plans are interesting um, because some people do them, a lot of people don't. Um, you know, trained properly, but it's about the continuous learning as well. Of course, so, it is. that's so what I'm, I'm talking working, about. This learning. Yes, I'm working culture. with a lot. Of, yes, I'm working with a lot of businesses around what they can do to implement little learning practices mm. that then mean that their people are people are heightened so even little things like candidate pull-aparts where a manager will go will work with a team that, have, that are looking to take people to market and say present me your best candidate why are they worth sending to some of our clients and and, they, and everyone does it to each other and then they pick little pieces away from it what yeah. they could do well what they could you know what what they could ask more and then that becomes the learning process and there's a lot right. of learning learner led you don't necessarily need me to come in and full time to deliver. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's about. But it's, but it's creating know. a strategy where that's what you're doing, where you're totally. learning from each other and where it's yeah, fun. Totally. It sounds really good fun. It doesn't sound arduous. It sounds like we're actually all going to get something from it. Absolutely. And I think a lot of training happens just because it needs to tick a box. Yeah, no, I know. And well, I'm, 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 I'm definitely with you on that cynicism. I think that's yeah. true. You know, we'll, we'll do D&I training because it's, mm. It's you know it's it's D and I month and we need to and it's pride and we need to and we need to rainbow wash our business. Um, again, that's don't, a whole other. Don't thing. get me started on that. Yeah. Before totally. we go, before we yeah. go, I want to ask you around leadership because a lot of our right. listeners are leaders, and mm. I firmly believe. Before I ask you the question, the answer to the question for me would be that the training and development mentality cascades down. So it should be you know leaders should be trained they should understand how to pick up on learning behaviors so what would your advice be to those leaders listening in terms of them elevating their learning and development yeah totally and i think and i think there's because what we've you know we're we're generally around that junior but like the top the top that we reach is that about kind of junior management coaching yeah. um however if you're a business leader the one thing i'd probably look at is how can i look to better myself if i'm because if if most business owners don't know it all no. As, as a business owner myself, I hold my hands up. I don't even know what a joint venture agreement is. And I need to work out what that is or a limited liability partnership. But I need to navigate various things that keep me interested day in, day, in, day out. Good. With, with, with business owners, they've got to have the same mindset. No one is the finished article. Even Steve Jobs had a coach. Absolutely. Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan had Tim Grover. Yeah. And... Uh, and all these people, you know, and, and, you, and you, you go to those high performance podcasts and all those diary of a CEO, all of these people have someone in their life that they are accountable to, that they look at their performance and go, right, yeah. what else can I do yeah. to improve? If Definitely. you don't have that within yourself, you will not have that within your company. 
No, it's true. It's, it's that level of accountability. But this, we talked about self-awareness before. I think there's a self-awareness, a self-awareness piece. And I had yeah, a guest totally. on recently. I had a guest on recently where we talked about one of the key things that he said is get yourself a non-exec director. It's like, mm. you know, if you are a leader listening, if you just have your own voice and you're not seeking that external advice, you're only as good as yourself. So I think it's yeah, having yeah. the different components. There are so many different options available. I mean, we could we could have, we could do a whole season of Bobby Banerjee, couldn't we? You know, we could do like business development oh. three sixty. I mean, like God, we need to get you on again, don't we? But I'm no, cool. I'm happy to. It's it's flown this this time. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't. You've just you blinked and it's gone. There you go. Yeah, I mean, the last point I want to make before we finish is cool. Because are, are you are you a, are you, a, are you a, did, did, I'm guessing with the Pep Guardiola comment, you're a Manchester City fan. I'm from Manchester. Right. Yes, I am. Oh, a, I am right, a yeah. lifetime. I'm a, li- I'm a lifetime Manchester City fan. Of I course, you're not from London. Therefore, Manchester United fan. That's the um, little. That's the little. So you look thing. at Erling Haaland. Erling Haaland is the highest performer in uh, in, in the highest performing club in the country. Mm-hmm. He still gets coaching every week without fail. He's yeah. not just leaving his he, just because he scored the most goals in the Premier League last season mm-hmm. in his first season that he's yeah. made it. He's the finished article. Yeah. He still looks at his misses. And what, when I knew that, that and, and this is going to be my I, I saw it first moment when he missed an absolute sitter of the charity shield. Yeah, I, I think it's his first game for, for, for City. And the way he reacted to that made me realise that this is going to be horrible for the rest of the Premier League this season because he just had that determination to go, I'm going to learn from that and I'm going to do yeah. better. And he's never so forgotten it. It doesn't, matter, it, it doesn't matter who you are. Everyone needs a performance improvement plan, yeah, including yourselves. And so how you go about that is really important. No, it's re- I'm really glad that we finished on that. I mean, great analogy. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, as somebody who, you know, 25 years in the business plus, because started in 98, I still invest in my coaching and development every year. I don't believe that I know everything. I'm, I've got a voracious appetite for podcasts for this reason. I, I mean, I must listen to at least 15 hours a week of podcasts. Yeah, yeah, not, not, not just recruitment, because that would be really boring. But, you know, across the business world, nutrition, mm. mindset, just you can have such an eclectic and you're listening to this now because you clearly have an appetite to learn and develop. So I'd love to know what you think of Bobby's advice. Please connect to him over on LinkedIn because that's, let's face it, that's where we all live. Um, And you have been absolutely brilliant and I can't wait to meet you in person when we go, we're actually going, I'm going to say this now so it's accountable. We are going to do our second ever live podcast event in Birmingham. Oh, perfect. Sign me up. So sign we'll sign up. you up. We'd love to see you there. And um, yeah, no, you've been, I knew you'd be the electric. Anybody that follows you knows that you do, you are just a joyful person to to know. So thank you for everything that you do for our industry because you are no training thank our you. future you talent. Too. And you've made me feel really old today because I'm a Gen X, but anyway, I'm just going now. Uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society. And that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An inclusion crowd 
educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion Crowd, like the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialize in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. We are so proud to be partners of Needy, the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs, but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode. 